I'm actually, I am actually going to begin, sorry Stephen, I'm going to start in chapter 3, verse 11, just to give us a running start. We covered this last, last week. This is Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians, and then we will be stepping into uh, the passage we'll be focusing on, verses 1 through 8 of chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians 3.11 Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love. Increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Finally, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us now, excuse me, receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, your holiness, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. And as we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, uncleanness but in holiness, Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who gives us his Holy Spirit. If anyone is to ask you, were to ask you, okay, I don't know anything about what God is like. Please name the number one truth reality about God that I need to know. There is an obvious answer to that the God the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ our Lord Jesus Christ God the Holy Spirit the triune God is holy he is holy he is without sin he is without error he is absolutely unreachable, unattainable. We fix our eyes on him and we, we simply ask him disclose to us I, believe me, when we step into the presence of our Lord, when He, as we will see later in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, He's going to yank His people out of their graves. He's going to yank those of us walking on the planet out of our shoes into His presence. And He is going to give to us resurrection bodies, bodies that are incorruptible, bodies that are indestructible. Do you know why? Because you'll have to have a body like that to stand in His presence and not be burned up. You will have to have that kind of dwelling place for your soul and your spirit. 
Likewise, your fallen nature will have been yanked out and thrown away. You will be standing as a sinless being in an incorruptible, indestructible body with an indestructible spirit, with an indestructible soul before the Holy God. Because if you don't have that, you won't survive. Because that is the measure of His holiness. And what I just said to you, I have no idea the measure of what I just said. Because nobody has ever seen the fullness of the depth of the holiness of our God. He is holy. And what is the number one thing that He asks of us? His saints. His holy ones. Whenever you read the word in the New Testament, saints, sanctification, holy, holiness, it's all the same word. <laughs> the, the translator is just, okay, what word translates best in this context? But it's all hagias, hagias, holiness, holiness. The passage that I read, the close of chapter 3, we are to abound in love. As it says in verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. Blameless and holiness. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, let me tell you what you won't want to hear is words from the lips of Jesus explaining what you were, what you could be blamed for. Explaining to you, reminding you of the things that you, the situation where you died with resentment, with anger, with hatred in your heart. None of those things represent God. Well, there is a righteous anger, but there's also an unrighteous anger. And unfortunately, <laughs> the anger most of us experience and express is typically unrighteous. But what is God's goal for us that we would stand blameless before Him in holiness? that we will have been pulled away from the world and into His presence. Even as we are walking in the world, we've come more and more and more and more to resemble Jesus. Who could say to His enemies, which of you accuses me of sin? Think about the apostles. Those guys were with Jesus incessantly for three plus years. They could find no fault in him. They never saw him do a hypocritical thing. They knew he was without sin. Even the Judas Iscariot who betrayed him, was, his conscience was so heavily burdened with betraying this blameless man that he hanged himself. Our Lord, when you came to faith in Christ, placed His Holy Spirit in you so as to be, so that you could actually, as you walked in the power of the Holy Spirit, who is explaining through His Word 
The Holy Spirit isn't just a power. He is a person. And these are His words. And the same Holy Spirit who dwells in you incites you to read and He gives you understanding. How many of you have had the, the experience of studying a passage and then you, you depart from it for a few days and then you come back and it's like it's a brand new passage. All of a sudden stuff jumps out of that passage. It's you that was there before? <laughs> How did I not? Because the Holy Spirit was pulling back another layer. He is present with you to make himself understandable and his ways understandable to you. God wants you, he wants to welcome you even in our present condition of being, yes, we're forgiven, yes, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but we also are fallen people. We still have our fallen... I, I hate to break the news to you, you st you're still capable of sin. You still have a bent towards sin. Now, you don't have to walk in that bent. You can walk in the bent of the Holy Spirit as He pulls you away. But the world, the flesh, and the devil are all present in you or around you. But you don't have to walk in there. And the more you grow in God, the more you can walk in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And you will start. What does it mean to be holy? It means to be set apart. It means to be like God. It means to be like God means to be not just walking apart from it also means to be loving because God is love what is the biggest thing a person can do in this self-centered world to get the world's attention walking away where you're not self-centered where instead you are behaving like a servant that's not in me but it is in God who dwells within me who can make that happen. Who can make that happen. You pick up a dirty glove from the side of the road and you put a good, clean, strong hand inside that dirty glove and that dirty glove can start doing things it couldn't do before. He's coming with all his saints Finally then, brethren, what should we draw from this? We urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. He had already said back in 3.12, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love. I want you to abound, abound, abound. We want more and more and more and more. And we say, it took me a lot of... We all have had the experience of watching people grow in Christ who are growing in Christ even beyond their own understanding. And you come to them and say to them, wow, I'm really impressed by ABC that I saw. And they are the last person to see authentic holiness in you will be you. Because you'll be most aware of the struggle inside. But other people around you will be looking from the outside, whoa, I'm seeing changes. That's holiness. 
And we're to abound in holiness. We're to abound in becoming more and more and more like our Lord Jesus in our choices. And what did He come to be? He came to be a servant. Not a Lord, a servant. And therefore qualify Himself to become Lord. He came out of that tomb and he was able to say to the apostles, Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He humbled himself to the point of the cross. Now he rules. That you might abound more and more just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. What did I say a few minutes? Anytime you read the word saint, sanctification, it's the same word, holiness, hagias. For this is the will of God, your holiness, that you should abound Excuse me, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. The Thessalonians, just as the Philippians, just as the Ephesians, just as the Romans, just as the Corinthians, were surrounded by horrible sexual immorality. It was part and parcel of the culture, part and parcel of the religion. The pagan temples were also houses of prostitution. The transformation the gospel brought to the Roman world is absolutely astonishing. It really is. That the Roman, the wicked, wicked, horribly sinful, debauched Roman world was turned upside down. What, was, what happened there in Thessalonica? When... The apostles got there, and they're meeting in Jason's house, and then all of a sudden there's a great riot. And what was the accusation against Paul, Silas? These are the people turning the world upside down. Well, believe me, the Roman world needed to be turned upside down. And it was happening. And it continued to happen, even beyond the lifetime of the apostles. It continued and continued. And it's still happening in this world. That's why there's so much opposition to it. Because there's so much vested interest by the wicked in keeping things the way they are. Which will bring them only, by the way, to the lake of fire, ultimately. But there is a lake of fire. There is a hell to be fled. And God sought us out. We prayed earlier. Again, James chapter 1 just yesterday at after the wedding at the reception a lady whom I know I've known for many years sat down and told me about her youngest son who knows the gospel been raised in a Christian home been raised in gospel preaching churches all of his life who simply doesn't want to do what he knows he needs to do and she's pouring out her heart to me on this. And what do we do? And all I could do was remind her. But it, was, it is enough. I reminded her of this statement there in James chapter 1. 
It is of his own will that he brought us forth by the word of truth. There is a shepherd who seeks the lost sheep and reaches in with his shepherd's crook, pulls them out of the thorns, throws them on his shoulders and brings them home on his shoulders rejoicing. When we pray for someone to come into the kingdom, that's what we have to have in our minds. We're not, this is not wishful thinking on our knees. We're praying to the God who has the power to do it and will do it. And every single person seated here who knows Christ is a testimony to that. Jesus sought you. For you know what commandments we gave you through our Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, your holiness, that you should abstain from sexual immorality that surrounds you, this part and parcel of your wicked culture, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel, his own body. You are responsible before Jesus Christ for your body. We are body soul, and spirit, all the handiwork of God. He created Adam as a body, an embodied spirit out of the dirt. And we are as much body as we are soul and spirit. And we are to be proper stewards of our body that it not be used in a wicked way that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification, in holiness and honor, such that it actually honors God. Not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. That you should no longer take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. Because, wake up call, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. Jesus doesn't sit back idly when his people walk into wickedness. He doesn't sit back idly and say, oh, well, Your God, the God who discloses himself to us through his word and in his actions, is a fierce God and he is fierce for his own reputation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says, I have gotten word about this fellow in your congregation who is behaving in incessantly sexually wicked ways. You get him out of that congregation, I have already delivered him to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. I've said, Lord, you release Satan to kill that man. Paul, don't you think... No. God is jealous of his holiness. Now, it may be the same fellow that we don't know for sure. 
that Paul is speaking of when he writes the second letter to the Corinthians when he says, hello, the guy has repented. (laughs) Let him back in. Probably the same guy. We don't know. He's not named. But we are not doing a favor to somebody who is walking in incessant sin when we, oh, well, we'll be patient. We need to tell them the truth about how jealous Jesus is of his reputation. They have a right to know. They have a right to know. And then respond accordingly. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in, here's our word again, holiness, holiness. We are to be like Him. We are to be like Him. Therefore, verse 8, he who rejects this does not reject man. Oh, well, that guy, Paul, you know, he can have his, uh uh-uh. He rejects this as rejecting not man, not Paul, or not you as you go to them, but God, who has given us his, now my new King James says, his Holy Spirit. That's not the literal translation. The literal translation is his Spirit, the Holy His Spirit. He's given us His Spirit. The Holy One. Do you want to offend the God who says, I've given you my Holy Spirit. Holy, Holy, Holy. By the way, what does Jesus say in the Gospels? You can offend. You can blaspheme God the Father. And it can be forgiven you. You can blaspheme God the Son. And it can be forgiven you. But if you speak ill of God the Holy Spirit, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that will not be forgiven. Ladies and gentlemen, do you want to know, do I want to know the truth about the ferocity of our God? We do have a ferocious God, ferocious for his holiness, ferocious in his love, ferocious in his kindness, ferocious in his mercy, ferocious in his grace, but also ferocious in his holiness. And if we are not walking in the reality of the ferocity of him in all of those traits, we are not walking in the fullness of truth and who he is. And the people around us especially the people who declare themselves to be brothers and sisters in Christ, who are not walking in that, need to hear the warning. We should love them enough to voice that warning to them. And just like that man in Corinth, who apparently got the word, oh, by the way, Paul has already delivered to you to Satan for the destruction of your flesh. Apparently, he took that seriously and repented. But he needed to hear the reality that faced him. 
if you saw somebody heading down a mountainside on their skis on the snow and you knew that a cliff was what awaited them but they couldn't see it what's the loving thing to do warn them warn them you're about to experience your own destruction and so it is that the that the holy spirit says through paul's pen Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has given us his spirit, the Holy One. And it was that spirit, the Holy One, that was pushing this message through Paul's pen. Not Paul, the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. We have a God who is incessant in his holiness and we can be thankful that he hasn't set it aside. He satisfied it when he sent his son to the cross. And so if we walk in the fullness of his provision, we will also walk in the fullness of his protection and his love. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are like what you are like, that your son is like what he is like, that God the Holy Spirit is like what he is like, that the, the triune God is the Holy One. who is welcoming us as an ultimate outcome of his mercy and grace to us. The day is coming when every authentic believer will be brought into full holiness before you in your holy, holy realm. And we will be reveling in that reality. We thank you. We thank you that Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. We give you thanks for the washing, for the cleansing. Amen.